Welcome to No BS Engineering, the podcast for developers around the world who care about their careers. Join us as we share ideas, war stories, and talk with special guests about how developers can up their game and move their career forward. And welcome to another episode of No BS Engineering. My name is Cal Evans. I'm your host, and along with me is my co-host, Mr. Mario Peshev. Say hi to everybody, Mario. Hey, everyone. How is it going? Hey, uh, Mario, I want to talk to you um, today about something that, you know, this has been a, a thing on and off with me for the past um, 30 blah, 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 years, um, is, is, is the 40-hour work week is that still a reality? I mean, I know in our industry, it's you work until the work gets done. And sometimes that's, um, you know, I've seen people, I've done it with, you know, 100 hour work weeks. You know, where do you draw the line? You're a business owner. Where do you, where do you draw the line on this? Well, that's a wonderful question as usual. Um, I'm just skimming through my LinkedIn feed because, oh yeah, okay, great, wonderful, I found it. So, interesting engineering on LinkedIn, they have over a million followers. They posted the following quote. A long time ago, people who sacrificed their sleep, family, food, laughter, and other joys of life were called saints. Nowadays, they're called engineers. So, I do, I do think that, wow, well, this is funny and it's uh, kind of sarcastic also on the other end. Uh, it's more or less true. Uh, working extra hours is definitely common within the software engineering industry, and there are lots of reasons for that. Like, um, first off, work is something that's extremely hard to estimate and it's really hard to plan. Uh, it's something that, unlike other industries, you actually can benefit from working longer hours because you learn more. Um, in some cases, you actually get paid overtime or get some other perks. Sometimes you actually get access to different perks or opportunities and, and whatnot. So this is kind of one of the reasons why, um, unlike, let's say, repairing, I don't know, windows or cars or something like that, I mean, you still learn something new, but it isn't really with that specific pace that you can get uh, in the software engineering industry. So this is kind of one of the reasons why this is so common. On the other end, it's really the workaholism industry, uh, the uh, kind of the startup world and the opportunities in, in working in the startup space, the, the grind for junior engineers looking for a job. I mean, there are lots of different factors and opportunities that lead to an exceeding number of hours among software engineers in the field. And yeah, that's kind of my take. What do you think, Al? Well, yeah, like I said, I, I've been on both sides of this. Um, I, I, I've never been a, a company owner, but I've been um, director, of a, director of IT at a company, and we had a tight deadline. And so for three months, I did what was called whipping the puppies. You know, I just, we were working for the last month of it, we were working 16 hours a day, six days a week. And, uh, you know, I had a regular room at the local hotel that I would just send people to when they, it was obvious they, they could not drive home. I would, you know, just have somebody take them over, get some sleep and, um, and then uh, sadly, you know, get fresh, freshened up and come back to work. Um, and, we, I mean, we had standing orders at the pizza place because we were just, you know, I, I was feeding somebody every night. I don't like that. I, I don't think that's a productive way of doing software. And um, 
I, I know it's not in vogue. I know the, um, the startup world loves to let's crank through because first mover advantage and all that. But um, what I see is you get a couple of founders and they hire three or four engineers and they start this thing going. And then when it ships, the, the founders go off and do other things, but the engineers have to continue in this vicious cycle. And the engineers are not the ones that are benefiting from this. I mean, if you're a founder, hey, knock yourself out, man. You've got a dream. Go make that happen. Don't make it happen on the back of other pe- backs of other people. And that, that's my biggest problem. Um, you know, and we've seen some, some almost scandalous behavior in some of these startups where, where they're doing this and it's starting to come to light. So I, you know, I, I, I understand the need for it at times, but I think many companies lean on that crutch way too much and say, well, you just got to power through it. Yeah, since you mentioned scandals, uh, there's actually a company that went through through pretty serious scandals just uh, just this week, basically. Uh, it's called Away Luggage, and their CEO was actually, well, the CEO was just fired from what I see in The Verge. So that's, that's definitely something. Mm, so from what I gathered, I just saw that on Twitter. I have a lot of people in the VC space and whatnot that I'm following. Um, so the founder, which is, uh, it, it's a female founder in that case, by the way, uh, she was, again, I'm kind of trying to paraphrase the story, but she, she told that several members of her team, she's going to teach them discipline and customer service and great work and culture by not letting them take a day off or whatever amount of time until they get five or six consecutive days of, I guess, achieve customer greatness. So I think it was something in the customer service space and just like make sure that they actually deliver. And, and it was an interesting, like one of the reasons it got so, like the world got so vocal about it is that uh, obviously she didn't frame that properly. Obviously she was trying to take advantage of them in, in, a, in a shitty way. And more importantly, uh, she framed that in a way of, I'm going to let you work pool all-nighters because this is going to be a lesson for you, you know? <laughs> Unlike, because uh, I, I'm also following DHH, David Hanselman from, uh, uh, from Basecamp, which is, uh, they also have a pretty solid podcast and they're the company behind Basecamp, uh, behind Ruby on Rails. Uh, so David, David said something, I'm paraphrasing, I miss the old times where um, bad employees, they were smoking cigars and they were just telling you that you're not going to go home anytime soon or something like that, you know? So it's like sometimes it's understandable if people have to talk insane hours and whatnot, but it gets pretty tricky when this is framed as a lesson or as a culture experience or something like that. Now, the founder of Razer, the famous gaming equipment company, also is undergoing uh, through a similar scandal right now, actually, uh, because he's uh, he's making people work insane hours. He's uh, kind of promising them insane returns and and things like that. And he's also going under scrutiny, scrutiny for the very same reason. Um, so it's it's something that's kind of rising up in the space. And and like um, the work hard, play hard has been common for many 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 years to come. But actually, what I'm seeing now is businesses trying to to, to promote the culture of you can have a great and successful business working 40 hours a week. So this is kind of the trend that I'm seeing now. That's, I, I like that. Um... Knowing is cool. Sharing knowledge is even cooler. 
In my book, Uncle Cal's Career Advice for Developers, I share with you five of the most important pieces of career advice I've learned. Get your copy today by pointing a browser at bit.ly slash Uncle Cal. I want to share this knowledge with you. The, the work hard, play hard never really worked for me because I have been married for my entire programming career. I got married at 19. Yes, the lovely and talented Kathy robbed the cradle. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, and so I've been a programmer from since I was um, 18. I've been married since I was 19. So, you know, play hard with the team. Yeah, I don't mind going to team activities every now and then and, you know, team parties and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I have a life outside of work and I want to participate in that life. And founders who do this whole work hard, play hard thing. And I, I used, it used to drive me to the wall. I worked for a company in San Francisco and on Thursday nights, they would have beer and cocktails. Like, I got family. I, I need to get home to talk to them and to see them because I've seen all of y'all for eight, 10, 12 hours today. I don't need to see y'all anymore. We don't need to hang out, you know? Um, and, you know, I, I say in one of my talks, you know, um, I, 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 a lot of founders like to push this we're family thing. If your founder is, keeps pushing that you're family, um, go live in the basement for three weeks and don't do anything and see how long you're a member of that family. You know, <laughs> if you're the slack ass brother-in-law, they're not going to put up with that. There, you know, there are limits to what, you know, to that analogy, but you know, it, it, to me, this kind of mindset does not promote good software development. It actually, they've proven that the longer you work um, in a row, the worse you actually get. But it, it, it's not a healthy lifestyle. It doesn't produce good developers long-term. You're eventually, you're going to burn people out. Uh, that's, so I do like the fact that we are actually diving into both work-life balance and burnout. And we actually had a couple of wonderful episodes on burnout. Oh, yeah. So for, for anyone who hasn't seen them, make sure you go back in time and, and actually watch both episodes or listen to them on uh, your podcast app. But the kind of the interesting thing that, thing that I'm seeing here is um, people, and, 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 and it's something really important to, to kind of figure out. One of the reasons why for the well, 60 or 70 or 8 hour weeks exist, one of the reasons for that is that people want to progress in different paces. And I've seen a lot of competitive people in software engineering. And to be completely honest, uh, back when I started, which is, uh, you know, quite frankly, a lot after they knew, but uh, back, back when I started, lots of the people in my circle were actually competitive programmers, meaning that they were in competitive programming in, uh, you know, mathematics and informatics competitions and other types of uh, actual competitive programming, which in that case was more like high performance code and, and, and solving algorithms and puzzles. But, but this competitive spirit is something that was carried over to their careers as well. You know, they, had to, they actually had real competitions evaluating them and assessing them and ranking them and stuff. So they were born and raised with this idea of programming being a competition, right? It's kind of a game, but again, with winners. Mm -hmm. So in, in that sense, I actually know a lot of people who are in that specific circle and they do push really hard because this is the, the nature of themselves. They need to know more than others. They need to stay up to date with everything. They need to, it's like 
this kind of the competitive spirit that's being born. And quite frankly, this is probably the type of culture that companies like Google and Facebook and um, Microsoft nowadays with Satya, this is the company that they're, the culture that they're also trying to promote because this is actually bringing top talent in, in certain cases. Yeah, but you're going to burn them out. You, you, it's not sustainable. Well, it's really, again, burnout, and we actually, again, we did have a couple of great episodes on that, but burnout is something that happens uh, to some extent due to external factors and also whenever you're pushing yourself beyond the limits of what you're actually after, meaning that burnout is to a greater extent a psychological problem, a mental issue of some sort. And, and if you're personally striving for that, if you're pushing for that, if you're satisfied with that, uh, then it really is, isn't that much of a problem, you know? Like, because kind of one of the things I'm seeing, even with people working a, a nine to five job, I do know tons of people who get back home, uh, they grab a dinner and then they sit down and work on their pet project. And they spend, four hours, for example, again, working on a pet project, answering Stack Overflow questions, testing out the new framework, reading D-Zone or, or um, you know, anything else, and, and just iterating on other types too because they are hungry for that. Then they go to conferences over the weekend. And for some of those people, this happened years after years because that's just how they feel. So again, I, I'm playing devil's advocate here to some extent, and I completely understand that this is a small percentage of the population probably two, three, four percent, maybe up to five of the population. Uh, but this is kind of the vocal minority. These are the people you see on Twitter. These are the people creating open source stuff. These are the people speaking at events and so forth because they kind of work double than everyone else. And that's kind of how they find the time to be vocal online. And as a result, this is also reflecting back as a culture of working extra hours. Yeah. Uh I, I see where you're coming from. Um, I, I think that you know, that road leads to burnout no matter what. Um, I, I, I've known the competitive people um, for a very short bit. I was one, um, but I got out of it beforehand. But the, the problem is we get so focused on learning more, being more, doing more, that we eventually, we, we don't see that we're burning out. Uh, and that's the biggest problem is um, we think we're having fun. You know, I, when I used to... I tell the story that uh, when I started programming, it was a hobby. And uh, to my great surprise, people would actually pay me to do it. And so mm -hmm. I was, yeah, I had my hobby and I was um, doing it. And I was having fun and I was making money at it. And so I did it more and did it more. And um, the problem was through most of my kids' school years, I, you know, I worked extra hours and I, I, I had great justifications for doing it, but they weren't you know, they, they, they still can't replace the time I missed with my kids. And I eventually, I would hit burnout stages and I would go six months without working on a pet project and mm -hmm. then pick it back up. That's how, that's how I dealt with burnout. But I think that the cultures that, the company cultures that encourage this are doing both themselves and their developers a disservice. And um, it just, I, I, I don't like seeing companies do that. I like seeing companies... Um, I was working uh, or I was interviewing at a company in Nashville not long ago, and um, they talk about the fact that at 530, the doors close. And if you aren't out of the building, it's going to register that you went out afterwards and they're going to talk to you the next day about that. 
You're allowed to be in the building between 8 and 5.30. We don't want you here any other time because we want you to go home. And I, I respected that. Yeah, in our industry, if something breaks, we're, somebody's going to have to go in and fix it. And that might be an entire weekend to get things back up and running. We all understand that. But I don't like the company cultures of uh, we're, we're going to push through this. We're going to get to the finish line. We've got to get that first mover. So like I said, you know, I had my people working for a month, um, six hour days, 16 hours a week or 16 hours a day. And I stayed with them. I wasn't coding, but I'd be damned if I was going to make people do that. And I wasn't going to be there myself. And so I got burned out on that. And I, as soon as we uh, rolled that first release and got it going, I left the company. I said, no, because they came back to me and said, hey, you did so great on this deadline that we want to give you this next stupid deadline. And I said, no, obviously you're not, you haven't learned the lesson. And so I, I uh, walked out of there. But I, that's, I, that's just me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's kind of fun. Like every, every time we are on both sides of the story, it, it always makes a lot more sense. It makes it more colorful, colorful and more diverse. And, and in all fairness, what I would like to kind of wrap up with more or less is I do firmly believe that um, there are people and people, the software engineering field nowadays, it's uh, what, 40, 50, 60 million developers worldwide, something like that, I think. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it adds up to uh, lots of people coming from different countries, different cultures, different yep. goals, uh, seeking different opportunities and so on. Uh, which is kind of what's also creating those opportunities. Additionally, software engineering is one of the fewer fields where you can actually be an engineer and still found something that is a unicorn startup. Meaning that even if you're a doctor, uh, you're probably not going to have the opportunity to just work on R&D and invent a cure for cancer. It's, it doesn't really work like that. With legal as well, probably you can find some workarounds or like work for the mafia or something, but it, it, it just doesn't work in the same way. And, and kind of the fact that software engineers can actually work on a pet project after hours, for example, or within the company or, or just work uh, as freelancers or whatever, and turn that to a seven or eight figure business within two or three years or four, this is real. And this is something that should be kept into account. So as a result, Lots of different companies exist. And, and this is, um, I actually led a career workshop to the high school I graduated at. It's a magnificent high school, high tech. They teach programming at the age of 14. Java, Cisco networking. They even have robotics and AI. It's ridiculous. It's like the best place in the universe. So um, I was actually teaching a career workshop then. And, and one of the common questions that I'm going to revisit next month was, uh, what sort of company should we apply for? A small one or a large one? Or what sort of company? So in a month from now, I'm actually going to give a separate talk, which is large corporate enterprise companies versus small garage agencies, mm. product companies versus service companies, yeah. uh, R&D companies versus maintenance companies, because there are so many flavors that they're really adding up to, to, to the end. Back when I was working in the kind of small company, but working with enterprises, we had four-year-long projects. I mean, R&D was like three months or so just to figure out what sort of stack we are going to use, right? I remember those days. Yeah, exactly. And this type of company, they weren't really seeking our time. They were like, yeah, whatever. I mean, we are going to spend four months just testing this library and see if it's going to be a good fit for this project. Yeah. 
and, and then you get like build a website for a weekend, right? Which is like a completely different mentality, just, just as an example, of course. Uh, so probably the, more, the most important lesson here is that 40 hours work weeks are doable in some companies. Um, the first two or three years probably will end up with lots of extra learning and just getting up to speed with the process and with programming and everything else. But aside from that, you can still work a nine to five development job as long as you pick the right company. Meaning that you pick a company that isn't enforcing late night hours, doesn't expect you to do late night support, doesn't work on urgent projects and so forth. Because companies like this exist, they're still out there, you can apply there and you can work with this mentality. And more importantly, you're going to fit in a, co in a company with a culture of people who share the same mentality with you. Yeah, I, I agree with you on a lot of that. My, my biggest problem is, and I, I had an advantage when I started out because left to my own devices, had I been single, I would have been one of those holed up in a dark room just coding 20 hours a day because I loved doing it. We've actually got to be, uh, we, we, we've got to save ourselves from that. That's the problem. I had the lovely and talented Kathy. She kept me grounded. She would not let me kill myself like that. Um, I was talking with a friend of mine just recently and she's single and she said, she asked me, she says, I love doing this. How did you keep from burning out? And I told her, I said, you know, I had a wife and kids by the time I was her age. And so, you know, that, that kept me grounded somewhat. Not always. I, there, there were still um, weeks on end where I would come home, eat dinner with the family, and then go in my office and code because I had an idea, you know. Um, but I think that in, in some cases, we have to help each other and we have to keep each other from burning out. And we have to tell, we have to look at our, our, um, our, our teammates and say, look, you've been burning the candle at both ends take a break, okay? Nobody's gonna die unless you're working on medical software. Nobody's gonna die if you don't push this week. Take a break, get your head straight, and then come back and um, do the final push. Yep, definitely on the same page. Hey, audience, thank you for being with us on another episode of No BS Engineering. Hey, um, to like what we're doing, please go out, find us on your favorite podcasting network and leave us a rating. We'd really appreciate that. Leave us a rating, leave us a comment. Hey, if you think that there's something we can do better or if there's a topic you'd like us for, to cover, drop me an email, cal at calevans.com. I'd love to hear from you. I try to answer almost every email eventually, but, um, but we'd love to hear from you. Thank you, and we'll see you next week right here on OBS Engineering. Bye, everyone.